0: Milwaukee Panthers basketball team manager, Josh Tomaszewski. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're going to go through the same, uh, relatively same, outline topics as last week with Logan from Marquette. Um, so we'll start off with the season recap. Um, you obviously have been around the team for much longer. This is only my second year of going to this school. Um, I was on the stat crew. was lucky enough to be on that staff um this team honestly was fun to watch but they just couldn't finish games yeah
1: i mean that that's really um what this year really was all about um you know this was a year that we had really high expectations coming in um you know looking really forward to, to possibly winning 20 games finishing top three in horizon league um and at the end of the day we just didn't get it done
2: And now, how much of this do you think was the fact that there was really a late season emergence from freshman C.J. Wilborn, but who would you really say was the third option at the beginning and even like the middle of the year? And was that part of the problem of not being able to close out games, was not having really that viable third option?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, and especially in the offense that, that Coach Baldwin likes to run, it's really guard-oriented, and it's really, it's really centered around the guards. Um, and a lot of our shots came from the outside, um, looking at threes, um, and we really weren't that great of a three-point shooting team. So obviously we're led by Tijon, first and foremost. Um, and then we had our leading, and our leading scorer this year, uh, Darius Roy, who came back. He was our leading scorer last year as well. Um, and then DeAndre Abram. Uh, who, who was a senior, redshirt senior, after he um, transferred here um, from George Mason, and uh, you know he was really supposed to be our, our those were supposed to be our top three, our big three, and Dre really just got off to a really slow start to begin the year, um, and didn't really find his groove until about midway through, and then even then, you know, he was really um, on and off, um, but obviously as you noticed CJ's uh, improvement from the beginning of the year all the way to the end um, really, really, really was, uh, beneficial for the team. Um, but I think with, with our group of guys, um, you know, if one player wasn't really performing as well one night, there was others that, that would hopefully you would think pick up a slack. Sometimes it didn't happen. Um, and it just happened that 19 times in the season, it didn't. Um, and, uh, but overall, yeah, I mean, like I said, we were led by Tijon, first and foremost, and then there's other guys around him um, that you would hope would have picked up the slack in some of those cases. Didn't really happen, um, and it was, it was a little unfortunate.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we're losing a lot of—we struggled immensely on offense. Uh, just a few careless mistakes, guys shooting like big guys who should be in the paint, um, Taking careless shots outside and shooting the three. Um, so we are losing, obviously, like you mentioned, Darius Roy. We're losing DeAndre Abram. Harrison Henderson didn't play a whole lot. Um, kind of disappointing to a few Panthers fans. Um, he did enter the transfer portal um, for the second time, actually, coming in from USC. Um, and you now have Vin Baker coming in next year um, from Boston College, I believe it is. Um, what are the expectations you think of him? Yeah, I mean he he's gonna do
1: wonders um, for our team, and especially with him and Tijon leading together, um, I think the expectations for those two are you know those are both guys that you know Tijon could possibly be first team all Horizon League, and 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 Vin could very well be be at least second team, um, but you know he, he obviously everybody knows his dad, Vin Baker Senior and is on the coaching staff with the Bucks, And, you know, he get now Vin, Vin Junior gets to come in um, to Milwaukee and, and gets to make a name for himself here. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of excitement around him. Um, and, it, you know, if Harrison would have panned out like we had hoped, um, then, you know, those three together, all coming from high major programs, uh, coming in and, and being able to, to run together in the Horizon League, I think would have done some damage. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Um, but Vin, I think you know the expectations are really high for him, and I know that that coach is going to hold him to a high standard.
2: Does a player like Vin Baker Jr. really bring something to the locker room just because I mean his dad is Vin Baker who had a successful NBA career, and now he's on an NBA coaching staff. Does that just bring sort of a breath of fresh air into a locker room for a team like the Panthers?
1: I think it does. Um, because I think that, that it shows that even at this level, we can get guys, um, with the background that they have and the caliber that they have that can play at this level, um, can come in and play this level, even if it doesn't work out for them at a higher level. Um, but just knowing that like, you know, the family tree that he comes from and and his ability and, um, everything that he's capable of doing, I think that, that guys look at that and they're like, okay, well, you know, he can do it, you know, we can all do it. So. Um, I think, you know, definitely for the locker room, he's definitely somebody that even though he didn't get to play this year because he was redshirting, guys definitely look up to and um, they look forward to playing with with next year.
2: Also, what does that do? Because, I mean, let's be honest, Vin Baker will probably be at a good amount of games next year, especially if with his son playing and him living in Milwaukee. Uh, It was is that going to do anything for you if players look up and they see Vin Bakers in the stands watching them play. Is that do you think gonna boost them as well?
1: Um, I think maybe maybe for the first few games that he shows up, there's a couple times at practice this year where his dad would come and sit in. And, you know, some of the guys would love it. Some would, you know, would would get the chance to talk with him and, and coaches would certainly talk with him. Um so I, I but I, I don't think that it should get into their head too much. I think they should you know, go out and, and play every game like that they're prepared for and 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 play it to the best of their ability no matter what, not trying to do anything crazy because that's when mistakes start to happen and things get out of control. Um, so um, I, I think maybe for the first few games, uh, there might be a little bit of, you know, excitement and jitters knowing that somebody uh, like Vin Baker is, is in there watching. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I think Vin himself is going to, you know, let the team know not to really worry about that. Um, and, and they have a job to do. So I, I think from that from that standpoint, um, in the beginning, yeah. But after a while, I think guys will get used to it.
0: Yeah, as long as we're talking about next year, um, quite a few guys entered the transfer portal. Um, you want to remind me who they were? Harrison Henderson was one of the big standouts that unfortunately did not pan out for us. Bobby Arthur, I believe, was one, another guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Harrison, obviously, as we all know, came in from, from USC. Um, his dad, actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this. His dad played on the Duke team from 1990 to 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he's got basketball blood in his background. And um, you know, he came in from USC where he didn't really get a lot of playing time. Transferred last year, sat out, and and he had the opportunity to work with with Tijon when they were both redshirting together. And yeah, and unfortunately, Harry just had a hard time finding the floor and finding consistency and. And you know he he entered his name in the transfer portal. I know uh, in an article I read recently, coach uh, talked about he um it may look at possibilities of playing professionally overseas and so you know we'll see where where he where he ends up in the transfer in the transfer portal for his for his final season uh Bobby yeah Bobby came in as a juco uh product um, last year was his first year and he and he was a junior and then this year, he started a good amount of games last year, um, before this past year, and um, unfortunately, the, the, the way the team was built this year, there just wasn't, like he kind of fell down the depth, depth chart, and uh, he ended up redshirting this year, so he was able to, to get some work in and improve his game individually, um, and it was nice because we still, even though I think we knew that he was still going to transfer, they still gave him a senior day, uh, which was really nice. And um, but yeah, he, he's going to graduate and, and he's going to go and play one more year somewhere else as well. Uh, whether it be a D one or D two, not really sure yet. Uh, and then Shay Mitchell. So Shea was a redshirt freshman this year, sat out last year, and um, kind of like with Harry, you know, he redshirted with Harry and with Tijon, didn't really get a chance to find the floor all that much. And you know, he had, you know, he was a three star coming out of high school, Lakeville South in Minnesota, and redshirted last year, obviously, and just again was another guy who wasn't really able to find the floor. Um, and just yesterday uh, was announced that he's going to be transferring to Palm beach state college, which is down in Florida. So he'll probably be down there for a year. Hopefully he gets, <clears> you know, the right development, not saying he wasn't getting the right development here, but you know, he was getting the right development down there and is able to, 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 to see the floor and, uh, hopefully another school will give him a shot. Cause you know, that kid when he's, when he's, when he's on, he's on, and he can really play. Um, so those are the three guys that were on scholarship that are that are transferring out. And then we had a couple of, of walk-ons that are leaving. Jamar Madge, he's from Kansas City. He redshirted this year. He was a freshman this past uh, two years ago. So he's a redshirt, redshirt freshman. Um, but he was a walk-on. And because we only had nine scholarship guys uh, the year before this past year, Jamar was able to see a little bit of, of playing time on the floor. But this year, again, he redshirted. And he's probably going to end up playing D2 closer to somewhere at home. Look at Rockhurst College, which is down in Kansas City. Um, he may end up at a place like that. And then uh, Ty Barrett, who actually, I mean, he played at intramurals at Milwaukee. And the coaches saw him playing in the gym one day and gave him a couple of, of, of walk-on tryouts. And, and he exceeded in them. And he really, I mean, even last year, these past two years, he's you know, been a spark off the bench for him, even though he was a walk-on. And, I mean, the crowd loved him. And, you know, he, he really was a good player for us um and from what i've heard there's been nothing official but he's probably going to um look at going to northern michigan um which is which which they have a really 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 up and coming good up and coming coach up there so uh, for his last year i think that he would do really well up there uh, if that's where he decides to go
0: yeah so as long as we're talking about guys coming out or transferring out um, there's a few that come to mind coming in. I know we all talked about um, a while ago, well before we were on air, um, was Michael Foster. Um, I believe before all this like coronavirus stuff going like went on, um, he had business with Milwaukee and even Marquette. Um, so I think, and Baldwin is a big fan of bringing in Juco products as we all, as we have seen um, from DeAndre Abram and Darius Roy. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, the thing with, with Michael Foster, he's, even though he's a class of 2021 guy, um, so he'll be taking a lot of his officials, hopefully, you know, assuming that a, that a lot of the stuff going on, you know, we able to find answers to. Um, but, you know, he's a class of 2021 guy that, that's from Milwaukee. He played his freshman year at Milwaukee, Washington, which is where Tijon went to high school. Um, and he goes to Hillcrest Prep now in Arizona. And you know it, even just to see you know Milwaukee on that list of of schools that he was planning on visiting that you know it really it means a lot because you know we don't get recognition obviously from from guys of that caliber. so you know when you have um you know Florida state and georgia and and schools like that that are really pushing hard for him um and and you know we're on that list too, Baylor as well just offered him um you know and and he wants to you know potentially come home and at least give us a visit and you know see what we're doing and you know that means a lot
0: um so i guess the last thing before we kind of go into tejan and then going into with next year's outlook um what, what what do you think the recruiting class like how much of an impact do you think that'll have like what What's the recruiting class look like? I did see I think there are around two or three guys coming in um, for next season.
1: Yeah, as of right now, we have um, three guys that have signed their letter of intent that happened last last um last fall, and those three guys are all um, high school guys, which is good because. Uh, Shay Mitchell was our first, you know, high school recruit, but he um, redshirted his freshman year, and then obviously, as we talked about, didn't really play that much this year, and is leaving. Um, and then C.J. and and Courtney Brown are, are the other uh, guys that came in from high school. Um, but other than that, it's been all JUCO guys or transfers uh, that that Coach Baldwin has brought in. So I think having three guys come in from the high school level is good because you know it's not a knock against juco guys but typically guys that come in from high school their development they get development with with d1 coaches right away so they're able to see the game instead of going juco so i think anytime you get guys from high school coming in it's it's good uh so these three guys are Kaleem taylor who plays at the milwaukee academy of science um in, in milwaukee and you know, he's a 6-3 guard that comes in he's he's big he's physical. And, you know, he loves to, to pound the ball in the paint and he loves to play aggressively, aggressively defensively. And, you know, I think he's, going know, he's going to be able to see the floor, you know, the minute he steps foot on campus. Uh, and then yet another, another guard that we have is Donovan Newby. who's a six foot guard out of bloom high school, which is in Chicago Heights, uh, Illinois. And, you know, he, he, he plays where he plays at bloom. There's three other three or four other guys that are going D one. So, you know, there's guys that are, there's one guy I think that's going to Tulsa, another guy's going to Cal State Fullerton um, that he played with in high school. So you know, he's already he's already played with D1 level players at school. Um, and you know, for me, he kind of reminds me of a Darius Roy. He's not going to score as much, but just the way he's built reminds me of Darius. And uh, you know, but the thing about him is that he's a leader first and foremost. He was ranked in the, uh, by by some. Um, Websites in, in Illinois as a top 25 player in, in the 2021 class in Illinois. So, you know, I think he was really underrated in his, in his recruitment. He had offers from Albany and, and Southern, Illinois Edward, uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville, um, as well as DePaul. But, I mean, DePaul offers everybody. So, um, um, but I, I think that it was definitely a good get. Um and I think that I, I think he will play right away. I'm not sure if he's going to redshirt. I don't envision him redshirting because we're gonna be a little bit thin at the guard spot behind Tijan and and Kaleem and, and and, Donovan's a, he's you know, he's he's a prototypical point guard that you don't really see nowadays a pass first, make all the right plays. Um so I think I you know, I think that he's gonna be a really good addition as well. And then finally uh Grant Coleman, who's a six seven forward from um uh, at Seymour High School in Illinois. Um is you know he's going to come in he's going to stretch the floor a little bit and give some size he can against smaller defenders he can bang around in the post and he i mean this guy most notably is known for his shooting on the outside um i think he, I mean, he in high school he only shot at, i think he shot at like thirty three percent from three um but i mean if you watch some of his tape you know he anywhere within twenty five feet he can hit so Um, You know, he's definitely going to be able to stretch the floor for us, which which was a a little bit of a problem this year at times and in certain games. Um, So I think it's going to be a good a good challenge for him and and it's exciting. Um, And then we have a because we have, I believe, three because we only have seven scholarship guys as of now. So with those three high school recruits coming in, it takes up three more. So um, it looks like we have about three open open scholarships um, to fill yet before the fall and, uh, and in a time like this it's kind of tough because you can't have you can't have you know guys come in and visit and you can't go visit them. So it's it's really, you know, guys that really aren't familiar with like the Milwaukee area or with campus. You know, you have to you have to be able to 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 have them trust you in, in what it's like and that goes for any school. Um, but I know some of the guys that we're really pushing hard for, three of them go to Tallahassee community college down in Florida and Tariq Silver I think maybe our number one target as of now. Uh, he averaged 12 points this past year. He was a 45% th- uh, three-point shooter in 33 games. Um, but, I mean, he's just – I mean, he's got like 29, 20, he's got 26 offers um, from Division One programs including Wichita State, Indiana State, Southern Illinois, um, Temple, Missouri State, who's got their coach Dana Ford interviewed for the wonky job twice and didn't get it. They just got a four-star recruit a couple months ago as well and, Missouri State's going to be very good in a few years. Uh, Oregon State just offered him most recently. So, you know, once it gets to the, the, that high mid-major, high major uh, level, it's going to be a little bit difficult to, to uh, compete against in recruiting. But, I mean, I still think that – I mean, the thing you can sum, I mean, he's going to play right away, and he's going to have the ball in his hands. And he's got, you know, guys around him that are going to get the ball in his hands. Um, and he's also the 25th-ranked Juco player in the, in the, in the country. Um, and then there's another guy, Raquandis Mitchell – he goes to a community college out in colorado average 15 and a half points a game this year and shot 40 percent from both the field and from three um but you know he's got grand canyon university who's coached by bryce drew now has offered him um and portland where terry porter coaches he's a former nba player nba coach south dakota state's offered him st bonaventure north florida um he's also a top 25 guy in juco um so another another wing guy guard guy that that you know, would be able to knock down shots from the outside. Um, and just a couple of those other guys from Tallahassee Community College, we have uh Rife and Miguel. Um, he's a foreign guy, and he's playing at Tallahassee. He only averaged seven and, seven and a half points a game about. Um, he's got offers from Missouri State, Ohio, Eastern Illinois. So, I mean, it's schools that we definitely can recruit against and compete against. And And, you know, because we're so thin, especially on the front line next year, because we only have, you know, CJ and – uh, Amir Allen is guys that are taller than 6'8", uh, besides Vin, but Vin's a, a little bit of an exception um, in the post. So, you know, he, he would have – there would be another opportunity. Um, and then you look at uh, DeAndre Golston also is from Tallahassee. Um, he was a Kent State transfer. Um, he played a sophomore year at Tallahassee Community College, averaged 11 points a game, shot 44% from three. Uh, Cleveland State's offered him, Green Bay, Detroit. So three other um, Horizon League schools have offered him. And, you know, obviously getting him – to, to us would be would be pretty would be pretty good um and then you know i, I look at guys that, that have entered, entered the transfer portal uh terrence lewis is the first one that might come to mind uh he played at iowa state for three years he went to Milwaukee riverside which is you know a mile away from campus um so you know if we if we brought him back home i think he's got to sit one to play one but if you know if we were able to bring him back home um you know, we did it with T John, there's no reason we can't do it with him, it's a 6-6 wing. So um, you know, I think that he that he would also would be a really good addition from what I've seen um, thus far in terms of grad transfer because it, the way I envision it is we'll probably probably get one grad transfer and two JUCO guys. Um, just from from what I have seen so far. So as of now the one that i've seen linked to us most uh is devin gage who's a he's a 6-2 guard from depaul and it was kind of interesting because not this past year but the year before he started 33 games for them uh where he averaged 9 points and he played 30 minutes a game and this year this past year depaul was a little bit better uh at least the first half of the year before they got in the conference play um but he only saw the he only saw 12 games and he only played 16 minutes of them so um that's a guy that I know. I've seen his um, that we've been in contact with, and so I know. And you know, he's somebody that can also shoot the ball a little bit too. He shot 46% from three um, this past year, and about one third of his shots came from beyond the arc. So, you know, the way I look at it is, is you know, we have some we have some holes to fill, um, most definitely, and it's going to be interesting how how this team is built the rest of the year uh, going into next year. So with, with recruiting, that's, that's, you know, you got to find your way around it Um, in a time like this, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what, what coach puts together.
2: How much do you think that fit really plays now into this recruiting the way it's going to have to be? Because obviously you just mentioned all of these guys are good at shooting from outside and how most of, the Panthers shots this season came from the outside. So does that make it Milwaukee a much easier selling point just because they fit so well into the system. And plus there is the advantage of they'll have playing time available as well as touches available to these guys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, the thing that, that coach preaches most on, on offense is he's not gonna, you know, tell a guy, when he, he can and can't shoot it. He's going to give them the green light all the time, you know, if they have the capability of, of knocking down the shot almost every time that they, that they shoot the basketball. So when you look at guys that are shooting, you know, plus 40% from even in Juco, you know, they're always going to have the green light when they come in here. And, you know, coach is never really going to, you know, bench them because of the shots that they're taking. Um, cause when you can prove that you can knock him down and, you know, then, then, and especially when you have that, that, that trust and confidence from your coach that, that you can shoot the ball when, when you, when you please, um, you know, I think guys really like that cause it gives them, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't press them as much. So, you know, it's not always about, you know, doing specific things to make coach happy. It's, you know, coach trust me and doing these things. So, you know, I, I have the ability to do this.
0: Before we talk about, <clears throat> um, I guess, next year's outlook, um, what what do you see is, like, because all these guys are leaving, and there's, I remember doing an article, I did a feature story on Tejan, and, um, and the player closest to him was DeAndre Abram. I would say number two, I guess you probably know more than me, is Darius Roy. Both of those guys are gone. And there's, it's interesting, like, do, do you think he stays? Do you think he got, kind of goes over like transfers or what do you think he does? What do you think his plan is? Yeah. It's an interesting
1: point because, um, you know, it's a, it's a guy that, that came back home and I think anticipated would finish his career here in Milwaukee where, where it all started. But, you know, obviously he built those connections with the guys that are leaving and, and beyond that, I don't, I don't know exactly how close he is with some of the other guys. Um, but I think because of everything that's going on, I don't, I don't really know if he – because he's already, he's already experimented at, at the high major level where he played, you know, 20, 23 minutes a game both of his first two years at Illinois. But he didn't do as much as he probably had hoped. So, you know, th- this, is, like, this team is, is Tijon's team. This team runs through Tijon. This is, you know, th- th- this is inevitably his team and you know if he wants to you know because he's, he's getting his degree now this semester so if he really just wants to graduate and, and test his options overseas per, to play professionally you know I think that is still an option um and but you know if he wants to run with this with this young team next year then you know he's going to have the the keys to the car to do so um but I mean it's kind of the same thing how it was this year coming in is a lot of the guys that 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 came in and played, they had never played together before. And it's gonna be a little bit of the same next year because we have three high schoolers coming in, as well as um you know, a grad transfer and probably two two JUGO guys. So it's, you know, does he does he wanna, you know, play with a team that isn't familiar playing with together and or does he, you know, want to be the leader that he is and uh and 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 try and try and have everything gel together. So you know, I mean, this is a guy that, that that was second team all Horizon League, and like I said, like you know, there's no reason that he couldn't you know potentially be a first team selection next year. So, I mean, and and the, the another thing I want to note about Tijan is, you know, he averaged about 14 and a half points a game. In games where he didn't reach his his scoring average, you know, Milwaukee was 0 and 13. In games that he didn't reach his scoring average, they were 0 and 13. And in games where he at least reached his scoring average, they were eight and four. And I'm and I and I'm not. I mean, he wasn't. You know, he was our go-to option. But you know, he doesn't have to score every single possession. Like like Logan talked about, with Marcus Howard can score at any time. Like we don't. You know, Tijon doesn't need to do that. He averaged five assists a game. So, you know, it, it's just it's really interesting because you don't know what we have fully for a team next year, and who knows when we will, and. But I mean, I know Tijon. You know, he he loves to have the ball in his hands. Obviously, he's a playmaker. So it's really just going to be interesting how how the rest of this semester plays out going into the summer. And um, I, as of now, I would assume that he's coming back.
2: Do you find the uncertainty in what Tijon's doing? Do you think that could potentially hurt for getting get, bringing in guys like JUCO transfer? Or- guys from JUCO and grad transfers, does that kind of uncertainty in your eyes hurt your chances of getting players like that, or it doesn't really matter. They'll come for the system and the fit and the playing time either way.
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I mean, you can obviously sell that being able to play with Tijon is, you know, definitely a focal point, but I mean, if he were to make the decision to leave, um, then, you know, you could just you could just push the point of all right, well, you know that just means there's you know there's only one basketball on the court, but you're probably going to be you know having it in your hands more often than than you you know would have if he would have stayed. So it's kind of tough, um, but it, I mean it's definitely something that I would assume would be a, a selling point to these guys um, because, like I said, T even though he you know he was our second leading scorer, he's not like, he, his first intention isn't to score first. His first intention is to get the the players around him involved. So I think that, you know, when you have a point guard like that, um, you know, guys are definitely going to want to play with him. And I think guys this year love playing with him, too, because I knew that he was always looking to to make a pass first before before trying to put the ball in the hole.
0: Yeah. So before we end, I'd like to go like a little bit in depth with the next year's outlook. We kind of touched base on it with the recruits, the transfers coming in, uh, predictions, and guys going out. Um, I want to start with Coach Baldwin. Do you see him as a guy coaching for his job next year? Um, I want to say yes and no, honestly.
1: Um, You know, this year, expectations were – I mean, this was year three coming in. This is the year that, you know, you're supposed to, to take off as a program. He's got, you know, all of his players that he all of the players on the roster are his that he recruited and, and brought in. And, you know, there are still signs of what happened the previous year. Um, you know, when, when we, um, you know, really only won 11 games or nine games and we lost the last 11 of the year and we went nine and 22. So You know, there was and that's really something that in year three you should really overcome, especially when you have a a roster that that seemed to be as talented as it was. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely think that it it, and a lot of it depends, too, on on what he can do with the class of, of 2021, because, you know, as we all know, his his son is one of the highest rated recruits in that class. And when we talk about guys like Michael Foster and, and Courtney Brown's brother, Kendall, um, you know, if, if Courtney was able to, you know, somehow sway him here too. And, you know, now you're potentially looking at like a top five recruiting, which obviously it's a pipe dream, but you're, you're looking at a top five recruiting class going to Milwaukee with Baldwin uh, Brown and, and, and Foster potentially. And, you know, who knows what else would happen at that point. Um, so I think a lot of it depends on um, what, happens in recruiting but at the same time because it didn't happen year three like it has to happen this year there's there's absolutely no excuse whatsoever at we that we need to at least push 20 wins at, at like at minimum because when you have only won like 38 games 37 games in your coaching career and you're 37 and 58 overall and and you're 19 and 35 in the horizon league that historically is like one of the worst leagues right now uh compared to what it used to be, there's absolutely no excuse of, of why we're, we're not winning at least 20 games, especially when you look at the, the demands that our athletic director put out after she had fired Rob Jeter uh, about five years ago, four or five years ago. Um, you know, we, we, she, had the expectations of, conti- of, of, of consistently being top three in the Horizon League and competing for conference championships both in the regular season and in the Horizon League tournament. And consistent trips to the NCAA tournament will follow with, with doing those things as well as you know pushing a top 100 RPI, which you know the committee uses the net rankings now and RPI mm-hmm. is still in to, taking into consideration. But when you look at like our, our, our averages, our, our Ken Palm average is, 255, and our RPI average is 275, and our net ranking this year was 262. So, you know, the, the expectations that our athletic director put on the program hasn't been met in any of the three years, and it really hasn't been close. And it's a, it's a shame to say, but it's the truth. Um, and, you know, the first season that, that he came in, we went 16 and 17 and finished fifth in conference, but it was, you know, I mean, you really couldn't say it was his team because it, it, they were all recruits from from Jeter and, in Laval Jordan. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, this year it, it's, it's, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, if we don't even win 15 games, I, I don't see a way that you do really bring them back unless, uh, you know, that 2021 class is, is really stacked and you're able to, to somehow pull that off. And another thing that I, I talked to like my dad about and, and and other people about is it's hard to balance, you know, being a fan because, you know, first and foremost, before I, before I joined the program, it's hard to balance between being a fan and, 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 you know, being a a manager for the team because it's, you know, you still have that, that fandom in yourself. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you, you you gotta be, you know, a little bit different in criticisms, but you know, you got to face reality and, and the reality of it is, is, is so far just haven't gotten it done. Um, Especially, I mean, the, la- the last, like, kind of like how Logan talk about with, with Marquette finishing the year, just not being able to get it done. Milwaukee just, we just haven't been able to get it done. You know, we went, we went 2-8 and in our last 10 this year. We went 0-10 the, in our last 10 the previous year. So, you know, the only, the only team that, that, and I got to credit Jimmy Lemke um, on Twitter at Panther U, he's one of the biggest Panther fans uh, that I know of. And you know, did a little bit of research, and UIC is the only the only Horizon League team that that Coach Baldwin has a winning record against. And you look at teams like Cleveland State, Detroit, and and IUPUI, and it's just it's it's just unacceptable. Really, Youngstown State even you could put in that argument too, but it's just really
0: unacceptable. So. So moving on to like the players before uh, before we end it, um. You have Courtney Brown coming back. Um, I'm sure you know this. Uh, his, his dad played for the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, you do have C.J. Wilborn coming back, and I believe you still have Amir Allen coming back. Um, I guess of those three or other guys that I have not named, which guy do you think has to step up? You know, for Amir
1: this year, it was really tough because he was never able to get in the groove. And, you know, he started a good amount of games his, his sophomore year. And then this year he was battling injuries majority of the year. And, you know, there was times in practice where he would try and practice and he just wasn't able to. Um, but, I mean, he's just a behemoth on the boards. Um, and, you know, he was really missed in, 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 that, in that aspect. Um, and, you know, he's going into his senior year. I think, I think out of those, I, I would say Courtney, um, I think definitely has the most growth to show. And, you know, he started majority of the games this year and and played over 20 minutes uh for the most part and you know even as a freshman too you know he had a, he had the green light at all times so I think what I'm most intrigued of is is seeing how much Cordy grows uh just because of you know what what everybody knows that he's capable of uh both from you know his his family history with his dad and his brother obviously even and, and and being a freshman this year and, and what he did. And, and so I think honestly, just seeing how much he can grow uh, as a player himself too, because I mean, I think that, that not making horizon league um, first team is, is maybe going to feel him a little bit. Um, and I know him and CJ are pretty close together. They were roommates. So, you know, I think that's going to feel him a little bit to, to work even harder to um, show that he can be a, a, a rising, a rising player in this conference.
0: So um, that will end it. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Josh? Um, real quick, I just want to. Uh, Absolutely, I just
1: want to say, in, in, in the in the Horizon League, I mean, I love mid-major basketball so much um, because it's just. I mean, you, you look at, at teams that have Cinderella runs like VCU and, and Dayton when Steph Curry was there, and, and Florida Gulf Coast, and you see coaches coming up and, and building these programs. Chris Beard at Arkansas Little Rock. Um, you know, you see these teams make a run and, you know, you, you remember that I think a little bit more than, you know, I mean, if, if, you know, you remember that it it sticks out and and you don't forget those things. Um, and a team to really watch out for in the horizon league is, is Cleveland, is Cleveland state. I love what they're doing. Dennis Gates is, is an, an outstanding guy. He's, he, he was an assistant at Florida state um and then last summer cleveland state really they were just a dumpster fire of a program and i think their athletic director their new athletic director hit a home run with hiring dennis gates um and you know they, they were a team that had a bunch of transfers leave they had a bunch of guys leave and they were projected to finish last in conference they ended up fish, finishing eighth i think um but they were 11 and 21 overall and they were 7-11 in conference which is the same record that we had in conference and there, you know, Dennis Gates didn't win Co-Coach of the Year in his first year, you know, for for no reason. I mean, the guy can absolutely flat out coach. He's going to be an, an absolute star in college basketball for a long time to come. Um, you know, he's got a three-star recruit who who finished high school a little early and he redshirted this semester, and, and Alec Oglesby, um, who who's going to going to play very well for them next year. And and it was just announced today that. Uh, a guy named Jason Woodridge who averaged 29 points a game and was a uh, first team all state in the state of Ohio is down to his final two and that includes Iona who is you know as we all know coached by by Rick Pitino now um and Cleveland State so you know he is absolutely going to take that program to the to the the level that it once was at with you know guys like Norris Cole when Norris Cole was there um, and I think that it's really a team to look out for in the future. Um, you know, granted, he stays there um, for the foreseeable future until he you know moves on to, to to a bigger school. But, I mean, yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I'm absolutely fascinated by Dennis Gates and the job that he has done, especially when he got the job. I think it was, like, late July, early August, and that's really hard for a head coach to put a staff together and, you know, get get going on recruiting and, and implementing your system and things like that. It's, it's really hard for a coach, and I, I think that that just, you know, Speaks speaks volumes to uh, what Dennis Gates is going to do at uh, at Cleveland State.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point, and you've mentioned this time and time again. I think within the next, I would say within for the next at least two to three years, the Horizon League very well could be up for grabs. There's not really going to be a defined team like Northern Kentucky or Wright State that's just going to take it every year that we expect. Um, so, yeah, great insight. Um, thank you for joining us, Josh. I really appreciate that. Um, so that'll end it for today. Give us a follow on our Facebook, uh, CNS Sports Podcast. Our Instagram is CS Sports Feed. And our Twitter is CS Sports Feed too. Give us a follow on our personal. My is, I'm Sam underscore Daring 68. Christians, I love Brent Suter. Give Josh a follow, uh, JR underscore Tomaszewski. Um, so with that being said, uh, Josh, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, with that being said, Thank you, everyone. Stay safe, and we will see you next time.